Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Light, the Light-Fingered Thief. Hey, how's everyone doing tonight? And we are joined by our returning guest, Ryan Young. Welcome. Hello. Hello, everybody. Now, you have a book that's going up, on, that's up on Kickstarter right now with Troll Lord Games that's yep. a part of your codex series correct mm -hmm. and this is the codex sin sinorum am i pronouncing that correctly yeah codex like sinorum or sinorum right uh-huh and it basically means the book of or about or concerning china more or less roughly in rough latin since we use that latin system for our titles and I had to pick a word, which I guess some people are kind of sh probably shrug at this, but I had to pick a title that was less difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that one, trust me, is less difficult. That's the most common Latin form and reference to China that, that there is out there because it derives from the word of Sino, that's S-I-N-O. When you find anything to do with China written in Latin, that's the proper form of it when you say anything. So we're using those titles with Latin with everything, all the titles. So that just makes sense. You know, you know, it, it was a, it was a logical stretch. It just seems illogical when you look at it and you go, huh? <laughs> like, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? But yeah. <laughs> so I'm really curious. You've, you've been on here before and we talked about some of your codex books and we actually mm -hmm. discussed this a little bit as well, but I wanted to talk yeah. about this one specifically a little more in depth if possible. Yeah. And I guess the biggest thing I would start with asking is now the Codex series are kind of his, more historically based setting books for you to kind of delve in and do things based in different cultures throughout his cultures and times, places and hits and history is the best way I can articulate it. I don't know if you yeah. have a better way to articulate it. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it's all factual based on actual stuff that you would hear in a college history class or classes on, you know, on mythology, but put into gaming context, you could almost say there are just big cheat sheets because, because how many times they'd be set in a college history class in like ancient history or something. And then you thought, well, I've heard all this stuff because, because that's what these books are. Cause that's what I've taught for like, a, like a decade or so. Cause I have, you know, cause I have degrees in this stuff. So, so I thought, well, gamers kind of, they deserve good, stuff because because our gaming books for the most part concerning this have never been all that great and i'm not to talk bad about it all but really we haven't been given a lot of good gaming books concerning ancient history and myth they've all been very derivative and fantasy based because it's easier to go fantasy than it is just to go factual and so i'm using that expertise in a good positive direction because I discovered both at the same time when I was a kid and I can't like untangle those two that are, but they're both yeah. inseparable. And, and so I can't jump into the realms of fantasy much because in my mind, gaming is ancient history and myth. And that's mm -hmm. all it is. You know, that's, that's just it. So I guess it's just natural that I write these. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So will this uh, setting take place in aired then, or would this be more of a standalone you think setting? that people can use for the CNC. Yeah, it's system. it's its own standalone out 
I mean, at one point, but then we just passed a stretch goal that now opens it up for actually the ERTA possibility. I mean, because that means that like Steve can put the ERTA option in there where actually uh, it can be, I guess you could say channeled into it, you yes. know, and, uh, but, but, but then in its own or, or, or actually of its own, you can actually have its, you know, take place in ancient China, both in history or in myth, or even in Chinese fantasy myth with actually, with actually like, uh, you know, like other Wuxia and like other Jianjia and all those other settings that are derivative of actually ancient China and all the tales and myths. So actually all those are already kind of established in the book. So, so it's kind of more flexible than probably any codex that I've ever done because although I'm covering them kind of briefly and they're just because those, those are so diverse and huge, I could write separate books on those alone. Right. I mean, they're just, they're just gigantic. And uh, I have Mandarin and I have Cantonese all throughout the book. Luckily I was seeing somebody who was Chinese at the time and she went through all my Chinese for me and, and she said it was all good. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. Which was, yeah, 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 yeah. That was kind of nice just because at the time I was there thinking, oh gosh, I hope this is good. And she, and actually she came from like Canton and she went through everything and just, you know, he'll help me. And I was kind of sweating and thinking, oh, oh my gosh, I hope I'm doing this well. Cause she was like, yep, yep, fine. So, yeah. So, so, so actually for anyone who knows these languages, don't worry, don't panic. And I have translations because this is our first book jumping into Asia. Right. And uh, it's going to be a culture shock as it is because the European books were already a little, well, a little much for some people, I think. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I dumbed those down by the way, back when I first did those, except for the Celtic book. And I, and even that first edition, I'd done that first edition down and the second edition, I went full force back into it, but I'd done those other ones down a little bit back then. But with the Asian ones, I'm not dumbing anything down. I'm just going full force into it. I mean, on the Korean book, I, I didn't hold back. Now I'm on the Japanese book, and I'm not holding back. It gets a little weird when I'm having to translate ancient Chinese texts on Japan and putting it into modern Japanese. So I know something's, I'm doing something <laughs> quite, quite, quite wild there, you know, when I'm crossing these like language barriers and culture right. barriers just to write a gaming book. <laughs> so That's it's always interesting. Yeah. So is this book going to be much uh, longer in length than your previous codexes, the European codexes? Yeah, it's, it is the second largest book I've written. It is, uh, and, and actually I wrote some notes just to get all the facts, you know, down for everybody. It is actually 106,183 words. Just, just to, just to know that's, that actually places it as the second largest book. And now actually the first largest book was the second edition Celtic Codex, and that was 200 and some thousand plus words. Now, this Chinese Codex could have been five times as large. There were so many times in this book, I kept thinking, gosh, I could just expand on this so much. <laughs> and I just had to hold back. I just had to stop. It took me three months to write all the notes for this book. And I had notepads full of just everything and everything. And then when I sat down and started writing this, it took me six months to write this thing out where the second edition Celtic Codex took me, oh, probably two and a half months or something. And that book's twice as big. So that says a lot. There's 144 prime deities of the native Chinese belief in this book. 
You say 144? Yeah. 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 And, and, and actually, I'm not including anything about so much all of Buddhism and that, although I do have a lot in it in the book, primarily because I'm going to be covering a codex on India soon, and it's going to be kind of redundant to kind of bounce back and forth throughout all of Asia and have Buddhism slash India, and, and everybody's going to go, oh, well, you know, why, 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 there's Buddhism again, and <laughs> they don't understand how history and culture works, but it kind of came from up there, you know, in the Himalayas, north of India, and it gets complicated. A lot of people haven't had ancient history and culture classes to know all this, but I have to kind of lay it out and, and, and think ahead before I write it out. And so and it's just like in the book that I'm doing off in Japan now, I didn't put the eight immortals in the Chinese book, which is a kind of almost a sin. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also didn't put them in the Korean book, although they're mentioned all throughout both, by the way. But though they're going to be in the Japanese book, and then I will go backwards from there and, and then put the Korean and the Chinese names of them simply because I'm running out of Asia, so to speak, and I need to get them in there now just simply because when I do the step codex and then I go backwards else into India and therefore the rest, then I'm going to have to do it now. I mean, because, you know, uh, somewhere along the way, somebody's going to go, well, where are those eight immortals at? <laughs> And they'll be buried. So are you going to have the Monkey King show up in this one? Oh, yeah. Yep. He's, he is, he's actually completely full, all, you know, all the way in there. And, uh, you know, he dates back to the, like, oh, gosh, he dates back about 2,007 years in Chinese history. I cover as much that is known about him, that novel that was written about 300 plus years ago that is based on the early old tales and texts that we all know as the journey in the West and all that. Everything that is derivative from early ancient times up into the recent modern times that people take for granted as being like the Monkey King. You know, there, there's so much in this book. I also have all the Daoshi, which are kind of like a branch of the Taoists who had gone off into the mountains, who hide on their own. They're, they're kind of like the idea of the Taoists who... Uh, are hermits? Yes. That actually, that actually, I have all the Fangxi, who are all the mystic Taoists, who are like the main school, who actually had the primary schools, which are which are still in parts of China now, and they believe in the idea of like immortality and like all these, you know, basically all the growth of the soul and uh, like the concept of uh, like the spiritual enlightenment. They were kind of hardcore back about two thousand some years ago. And then I also have like a, like called the Tongji, which are, or had been, they're not around now, but uh, they believe that certain kids throughout the population get chosen by gods or goddesses and be their voice of like prophecy. And they would erupt into these wild, like prophetic outbursts. And they would say things and uh, they would lead like a population, kind of like a Joan of Arc way into all kinds of things, everything from battle to uh, getting rid of, you know, problems. I mean, like in a whole area, like of a town or like a settlement or whatever. And it could lead to madness sometimes. Then actually I have all the Wu who are all the shaman of China. And yep. they've, they've been there for, gosh, three 3,000 plus years, by the way. And they're still more or less there. 
you know, they're not in the same capacity as they were, but oddly, they're still there. Then, then I have everything I could possibly cram on the concept of like Qigong. And I have 120 plus power options on actually how actually like Qigong works. Yeah, because the Heigong is going to be more of the martial arts based than I, I assume yeah. versus, versus like a magic based system. Yeah, and you know what's what is what is tough to figure out is in the rule system because it's all sort of based on the old logic of old D and D is how to make qigong and all this work. And I boy, most of those notes in those three months was figuring out that logic is how this stuff's going to work in like a system. And I've come up with some rules that are kind of experimental. But let's just say, if if they work and people like them, excellent. And go for it and, and just use them just because my gaming group loves them. So would these be like playable classes for folks, like new classes they can play, like a martial artist with uh, Hei Gong or something like that? Yeah, that's what I was going to be asking about is, is yeah. what in here we have classes of and whatnot. <laughs> that's the tricky thing. That's the tricky thing because, I, you know, I listened to all your shows here with Steve. And uh, yeah, I was about to bring him up. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I know. Yeah. I almost, I almost, I almost had a psychic thing about that. And Steve, uh, many, many, many years ago, back when, if you notice my early codexes, I had classes in those early books. And somewhere along the way in the last, I don't know, three or four or something years, I had less classes in those books. And it was kind of his intervention simply because he said that like the more classes we added, sort of the more uh, it gets out of control because we ended up with, we would have dozens upon dozens to a hundred plus some classes that would be hard to kind of manage just because they're putting out these other books on the side that would have all these classes in the books and all the stuff that they're with those classes. And it would just get to be too much. So actually he wanted to kind of like control the fires, like, so to speak. Yes. So, so, so how I'm getting around that in these codices mm-hmm. is that I'm showing these ancient cultural occupations and I'm saying, well, you know, like here's, here's all the Daoxi and here's all the Fangxi and the Tongji and all that. And the kind of like game equivalent is a fighter or a cleric or a whatever. I uh, got it right from the core book. Right. Uh-huh, right. Right. Okay. Right. So actually, so actually, all you have to do is just kind of go to that class in the base book in the player's handbook and tweak it a bit with maybe the Qigong rules, because I have them now in the Chinese book or whatever. And you've got that new class without having the class. Mm-hmm. So you just got to kind of kind of almost have to read in between the lines to kind of get the new class in there without getting a new class and uh, it's all feasible and possible. Like in the Qigong, I have about five options per each Qigong ability. So there's about 150 total. That's quite a bit. <laughs> oh, wow. oh yeah. Yep. And yeah, but all of them, all of them derive from uh, like all the Wuxia tales and stories going back like 200 plus years and some of them were just instant random inspiration where I thought, well, you know, I watched this movie that was based on the Wuxia style, this and that. And I was sort of thinking, well, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, blah, blah, blah. Well, this needs to be in the book and that needs to be in the book. And why couldn't this be in the book? 
and we need rules for this. We need rules for that. And so, <laughs> so actually, so actually I was sort of thinking, well, you know, just a dex roll here, uh, a, uh, or, or else like a roll there and it's feasible. And all it would take is just a simply like a battle of uh, saves against this person and that person. And it's feasible that you could pull up doing certain things. And I'm trying to keep this whole, you know, idea of the battle of points down to where it's not turning into spellcasting nonsense and all that. It's kind of the same thing I had with my Celtic Codex with all the fairy powers, because I had all that stuff going on that I came up with so long ago. And I didn't want to come up with a new way of doing the same old thing of spellcasting all over again. So actually with Qigong, which by the way, it's going to translate into the Korean book and the Japanese as, as of course, key, because it's the same basic idea. Sure. And so in those books, it's just going to be, you know, translated into those cultures as the same kind of equivalents. So it's not going to be all new stuff. It's just going to be that same idea in those parts of Asia. Now, as for martial arts, or the Wushu, in early China, there was only five early forms. But though inside that, I have all of the punches, kicks, and all that that are optional. And I have actually like a martial arts kind of like flexibility of combat just because combat turns in the game system are quite amazingly slow. I mean, really, like if you watch a martial arts film, they're fast. And yes, also, sure. also, if you've had actual martial arts training like I have, then you know how quick it is. And you can't simulate that in gameplay. So I've sped things up a bit. <laughs> so actually, if you go through the rules, and I hope they Boy, I hope they work. If they work as as I see them, then actually you can do like, like all the Jianpu and all the Quanfa and all of the like uh, you know all these all these early styles that actually all the Shaolin and all them had done, and all the punches, kicks, everything as actually they had sort of done back then can be simulated from actually out of the Codex rules. So I'm hoping that all that will work as planned. Just because if you think back in the early days when we had the Oriental Adventures book, <laughs> boy, right. there was none of that. None at all. And they tried. You know, they they naively tried. It looks like that you have, what, martial arts? And then you have new spells as well, too, in this game? Well, I have a little bit of actually the charm of, of actually those uh, fulu sheets. What is that exactly? Well, basically in ancient China, which spread throughout all of Asia, there's these little spell charm sheets, which were basically charms that was done on these little like sheets of paper. Oh. Well, it's like a thin parchment. <laughs> and basically I have the rules for all that in the book. And so the idea is where you can take a spell and then you can basically charm, charm, charm that sheet of paper and it changes the whole logic of how spells and spell casting could work. And by the way, chi, because certain chi powers and abilities can be done through that as well. There's so much in this book that I don't even have time to even expand on because it changes almost everything. Everything you see in the movies can feasibly be done through this codex. Feasibly. It'll, it'll, it'll just change gaming. I mean, really, if you want to simulate that stuff, it can be done. 
So I know that when you were on last time, we kind of talked about some of the time periods that you were covering throughout different historical periods in some of these books. And you specifically mm-hmm. mentioned, uh, I believe you specifically mentioned this book and the time period you'll be covering. Yeah. But you also mentioned that there is like certain expectations of modern pop culture mm-hmm. that went along yeah. with doing this. Could you talk a little bit to some of that? like pop kind of balancing the historical accuracy and then yeah. mm-hmm. TV movies, things like that. I just kind of gave up on the matching people's ideas on TVs and shows and films, because you know how people do the, Oh, well that's just like game of Thrones and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I go, no game of Thrones is like that. Your game of Thrones is supposed to be, I guess the war of the roses. Is that yeah. a, a, a fantasy know. war of the roses, apparently? Yeah. Maybe, but, uh, you know, my wife, she's from Hong Kong. She watched Game of Thrones with us, and she was like, oh, wait a minute. This is very similar to many of the uh, Chinese history type yeah. of conflicts as well, too. So I think it's uh, it's very common when you deal with human nature that you get these type of situations in yeah. uh, kingdom politics, let's say. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, for people who generally don't know much about ancient history or early history, that that, like, fills that gap. And they just think, oh, wow, gee. And then suddenly they bump into something from actual history. And then they kind of like link the two and they go, oh, that's just like that, that show. And it's like, no, but yes, it's the other way around because, you know, human history, you know, that's what happened first. It's, it, it, it's history. Now, actually, actually in this codex, I start all the way back, you know, at the Xia dynasty and the Xi dynasty is this hazy kind of semi-historical kind of period that is sort of a semi-real. I mean, there's enough stuff there to say that it probably did happen. But, but then at the same time, names, places, all that is vague. It's that sounds a little bit like how and, and correct me if I'm completely off and wrong and making this like parallel. But when you say that, the thing I think of with like the Celtic and stuff like that is the Arthurian type thing. Is that, is that way off? Is Arth is that stuff way more fictitious? Than this? Well, 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 in the age of Arthur, which, which, which he most likely lived in the 500s, the post-Roman period, that was a very like historical period just because the rest of Europe and all that is, is actually like well-documented. It was just that in Britain's case, it was a little vague and there's a, there's actually like a stretch that just is not well like documented. Otherwise it is very, very well-documented. And, uh, you know, there's just there's just gaps in it, just gaps, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's in one of those gaps. Now, actually, now, actually, now, actually, in the case of the Xia Dynasty, as it's called back in back in the case of China, this this is over three thousand some years ago, and we don't know much of anything outside of some artifacts and some locations that have been found, and just names that come up, and just like all ancient, I mean, really ancient history, those mm-hmm. names that come up are godlike and they do like these miraculous things and so it's all vague and it's like the foundation stories of these later dynasties that they will they will they'll like show up and none of that matters but by the time of by actually actually the time of like shi huangdi who's the first emperor who builds like the great wall right just because he was this lofty megalomaniac like 
you know, great, great, great guy who nobody else mattered outside of him, even though there were plenty of other dynasties and wars fought and this and that. But there were many dynasties way before him and much more happened long before him. But though, uh, the actual time period that I stop at is the time of the Mongol invasion. And that's the time of the Song dynasty. And the reason why is simply because I generally stop all the codex histories just around that time period. Just because I have to stop somewhere. <laughs> of, <laughs> Too many pages. <laughs> because if I don't, then I just keep writing and writing and writing. I mean, because in the Japanese Codex, I do the exact same thing because I stop right at the Mongol invasion. Although, like Japan's case, I kind of squeak it a little ahead further, mainly because I know that my ancestors were also there and I know they were involved. But sadly, they were on the losing side just because they were on the emperor's side, not actually on the shogunate side. And that was the rise of the first shogunate following the time of the you know, whole invasion of actually them, which was which actually was two series of failed invasions, by the way, off of Japan. But but actually, the rest of Asia wasn't quite the case because actually like Mongols swept over all of Asia which, when I get the Japanese book done, I work on that codex next. It isn't just on the Mongols. It's going to be on all the steppe peoples. It's going to be on the Huns. It's going to be on the Shadbai. It's going to be on the Jurchens. I mean, it's going to be on all of them, which is going to be a hugely complicated book. I'm very interested in that, that book. I'm, I'm very curious. I'm, I'm very, yeah, I'm very interested to read that, that one. I'm excited for that one to come up. We probably got a few years for that one, I'm assuming, because we still no. have a few more to come out. How when would that be out? <laughs> well, 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 ideally, I'll have the Japanese one done here in about a month and a half, and then mm-hmm. I'll take a little bit of a break, and then I'll start on the Codex of the Steppe Peoples over winter, and I should have that one done. I'm I'm, I mean, I'm hoping by January or so, maybe maybe by February, and then it all comes down to Steve. So, yeah. <laughs> so, actually, so actually, just keep in mind that Steve also has my other three books next in line. He has the book on Korea. He has the like, two-part campaign series uh, on the Celtic Tales of Arthur. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> right, right. And those are actually, uh, book one and book two have 21 to 20-some adventures in them. and. Uh, I ran those three times over in over like a decade mm-hmm. and I'm still kind of running it on and off now here with some players, but I ran it so much that I get that thing where I'm burned out because I ran it so much. Yeah. Except that with the new players, they don't know anything about any of that. They don't know what I've gone through to do it. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm going through the same adventure again and, you know, they don't, they don't have any knowledge of any of this stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh gosh, here I go again with the same story same adventure and i'm throwing fancy celtic words at him and stuff and they don't know that i know this stuff and they're just going whoa i've never heard that stuff before like wow <laughs> i was like yeah yeah you know by the way that's stuff i do that's what i know and it's just a lot of fun but at the same time i like to do all new stuff and new directions and stuff i haven't done before and i'm gonna well if we reach this other stretch goal in the chinese codex then we're gonna have i guess a big adventure planned and i don't know who's writing it I, steve didn't say but but i guess if it comes down to it i guess i'll write one for the codex <laughs> i don't know I, i've got i've got a quick i'm going to ask a little bit about the adventure so i just so that the listeners know what we're talking about when we're talking about this adventure you have 
Yeah. You have written the, the Codex, Kel, is it called Kelterum? Is that, am yeah. I saying uh-huh. that right? Yeah. And that is, and there's actually a couple different editions out that are vastly different with a lot of information on the Celts and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very- this is a, a, a large style campaign Mm-hmm. Kind of based on the Arthurian legend, if I'm remembering correctly, is that and kind of in that Celtic traditions of stuff. Yeah, well, these campaign books are based on the more kind of historical Celtic angle on it. It has nothing that that's involving Camelot and the knights okay. and chivalry and like the medieval stuff, mm-hmm. because because that's what everybody thinks of. Just just think of that. I hate to say, but that game Pendragon, and just that's, don't think of it. Just don't that, think of that. Just don't that's think what of I was going to ask right, about. Right, <laughs> I was going right. to ask, how, what's the difference? Yeah. Like, tell it, it, could you? Well, so think of, it, it's more like the Celt, like I've read a little bit about the Celts in, in certain books and the Celtic stuff, and it, it was not, from what I'm reading, it wasn't yeah. like knights in shiny armor. Oh, no. No, it's no. a very different culture than was presented yeah. in some of the like like uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court. Oh yeah, Every, everything <laughs> everything was so different. And back in the 500s, Rome had just fallen less than 100 years earlier, and a large part of Britain was Romanized after 400 years of being occupied by them. That that part of Britain, by no coincidence, today is now England, and that's because that population was so Romanized and so dependent on their power that that vacuum was weak by the time that these raiders from out of the regions that we today call Germany, which was the Saxons, the Frisians, and the Jutes, and, and all the Angles, they, they actually came in to try to like take over that void. And those populations, they were just incapable of fighting, you know, to like help themselves. All those regions that were not fully conquered by Rome, which were the native Celtic areas, like, like, like actually all the Welsh and all those areas and actually like the like far north, which, which, which now we call Scotland, but back then there was no such thing as Scotland. There's no such thing as the Scottish, none of that. Those areas spoke a type of Celtic language that was kind of like the Welsh today is. And the Irish were just settling over and they were just forming what will later turn into Scotland. And there was a people there called the Picts who spoke kind of a language that they think is kind of like the Welsh language and the Irish, they were known as the Scotti, and that was a Latin term for pirate. And as you see later on, that's where the Scottish and Scotland comes from. It was a land of the pirates. It's a, it's, I mean, it would take a lot to explain, but they basically seized power from the Picts and all the Welsh tribes. And by the 1200s, Scotland had been born. And also, also keep in mind that there were Saxons in the lowlands and there was what was left of the Vikings throughout the population too. All that mixed population and Scotland had been born from that mess. There was about four languages at the time. Interesting. So, yeah, 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 yeah. It isn't, it isn't just a Scottish population. A lot yeah. of this stuff, like you've written the codex on the on 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 Vikings, yeah, the whole mm-hmm. Viking, and that was the was that the Nordica? Was that the one that yeah. was Nord- Nordica? Yeah, and then yep. the classicum kind of covers Greece and Rome, if I'm remembering Greece, correctly. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. Yep. Greece, Rome, and all the Etruscans, and uh, oh yes. Yep. And there was one one little kind of town that I left out in the entire codex that bugs me to this day. And it was in Greece, and it was the city called 
like not not actually thieves, but Thebes, Thebes, T H. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I left that out, and it somehow got uh, zapped in my uh, main copy of my manuscript right before it got to Steve, and it was in my book and somehow it just didn't stay in there it didn't make it to the end and published product <laughs> yeah wiped out yeah yeah and uh well 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 because at the time this very same laptop was going through like a a change like on windows and oh. i had yep and uh and actually actually that old version was really full of bugs and problems and then it upgraded to like it was like version 10 i think it was and it, and it had stabilized that October and somewhere in all that mess, I just had finished writing that, that codex. And, and I, and I had hurriedly went over that whole book and then, you know, they should put out all three of those books, which was like the Slavic one, that one, and the German one. And then somewhere along the way, I had seen at some point that that town didn't make it in the manuscript because I think it, was over i mean it was like it was like backspace or something you know on the windows update and so that never got in the book and i think that was the only thing that ever was missed in that entire manuscript was that so so yeah yeah it's just it's just a little weird fact that, <laughs> that that's actually Steve's in that codex <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah that, I know. if you want if you well, honestly I, one thing that I, I like, uh, I can say that to listeners about these books is they're not like a lot of the D&D books are 50 bucks a pop. They're a little more affordable than that, but they're good, mm -hmm. full, hardback, sturdy books. They're really nice. And mm -hmm. um, you can pick them up in a like bundle, a print bundle on the Troll Lord site. And it looks like right now mm -hmm. it's it's a it's it's a sale price. So it's even less so you can get all six of them it looks yep. like for 135 134.99 right and yep they are well worth i actually picked up i think the first three or four when i when i first started picking them up all at once at, at gateway games because because when sadly they've recently closed but, but i saw that yeah there uh, and, right. uh, I was I was delving my feet into the castles and crusades and excited to walk out with a stack of awesome C and C books there. <laughs> well, actually, our plan soon is to put out uh, the Codex on the Vikings, a you know, all again with like a second edition soon, which I know I brought up last time. But though, you I know that you've talked to Steve since then, and if you talk to Steve again, bring it up and say. So something like so actually i heard that like the nordica codex is going to have a second edition soon or something and just mm -hmm. see what it says just simply because he he asked me uh, kind of around the start of this year about the idea of us putting a second edition out for that book and so i'm kind of waiting and all he has to do is just say yes and and set me free basically and then i'll do what i can do to put more into it just because that book uh was it it was at that stage in those early books where I finally kind of was like, Oh, well I'm tired of dumbing down my books and it's time to really just put everything I've got into them. Yeah. And that, and that was a fun book to actually do. And I liked it. We're coming up on time. Mm -hmm. Could you tell the listeners, well, I guess where they can find you online, where they can find your books, more uh, your other writings and everything else. And, and let me see. My office page is on Facebook. It's, it is 
author Brian N. Young. Should be pretty easy to find. Uh, if you just put in search for like Troll Lords or something, I'm sure that it'll pop up there. Uh, anything Troll Lords will pretty much find me. I mean, that's pretty easy because I did my own kind of novels and stuff, but all that stuff just, I don't know, it's second to Troll Lords stuff. I mean, because you find Troll Lords and you can find me. And actually on Kickstarter uh, right now, which by the way, that book, that Chinese Codex was funded in nine nine minutes on the first oh, day oh, last minutes. Friday. Nine yeah. minutes. Nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, nine actual minutes, which kind of blew us away last Friday. So it is it is a it is at a thousand two hundred and eighty two percent funded right now with two hundred and eighty three backers. It has twenty three days to go. And let me see on the extra this'll, data it'll here. Probably have, and I'll just clarify for listeners. We record way ahead of time, so I think this is about two weeks out of the recording. Okay, so yeah. we'll be. It'll be probably about two more around two weeks, if not less than two weeks left to go on this. If I'm my oh, maybe a week and a half left by the time this airs. Right. So so, so get over there quick and don't put it off. <laughs> right. Right. Actually, that's a good point. Uh, simply because this is actually the Tuesday right after that opening Friday, which uh, being that this is the 27th. So then we are at our third stretch goal. At this point, anyway, and that means the Cosmos map has been unlocked. And so what basically is going to happen is that we're going to have a, a giant color map of the Cosmos that is according to ancient Chinese, you know, like their whole belief. Is it and is that going to be like a like a like a, a separate printed map that's right. right outside of the book? Will it come in yeah. the book or will it be a separate? OK, well, uh, it'll it'll either be like it was with the Celtic Codex where actually that map was separate and or it'll be like it was with the Codex on ancient Egypt where actually it was kind of put on the inside of the cover. Okay. Which I'm not sure how actually Steve's going to do it. And so once again, if you speak to Steve after this, then you can ask them because I don't know either. <laughs> I have no idea because every time he does these, he, he kind of catches me off guard. And then actually, I don't know pretty much as much as anybody else. And as soon as I get them, they go, oh, neat, pretty. <laughs> and I go, oh, this is how it's going to be. Excellent. So actually, I really don't know either. All I know is that I can't wait to actually have it in hand. And then I can't wait to, you know, game it. I can't wait yeah. to have players and just use the stuff. And, you know, I can't wait to see if all those Qigong powers and martial arts rules actually really beyond testing it, you know, up to the point of notes truly works just, just because, you know, people are going to try it and then they're going to go, well, this doesn't work. And then they're going to start sending in all those comments and whatever. And then they say, <laughs> oh, well, gosh, this rule doesn't make any sense. And then, well, I just have to read it through slowly, try it carefully and practice it. And like all game masters, what doesn't work, kind of play with it a little Massage bit. Massage it a little bit. <laughs> right, right, right. And everybody has their thing and their style. And, uh, and I tried to make these work quick. And I tried to make them work fast. And that's the thing about gaming is that, like, if you get too bogged down with too many points and numbers and rules, then it's never going to work. And so then I tried to make all the Qigong stuff work fast and all the martial arts work fast simply because, you know, gaming gets too slowed down by just too much stuff. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, I want to make this quick. I want to get fast. But then I want to make it like, like, like you're in a movie, too, at the same time. Excellent. Well, 
I want to thank you for coming on. We were we're course. way over time. <laughs> oh, oh no, not again. <laughs> oh, always, always. <laughs> if you, I'd love to have you back on again. I'm, I'm hoping and planning on having having you back on to talk to talk more in the future. I know you got more books coming up, and we have quite oh, a few yeah. of them. I'd like to get in depth with a little bit more in some future episodes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, and uh, you know, I don't know what Steve's schedule is going to be. I don't know when my next book's going to be out. Because I was thinking he was going to do the Korean one with the Chinese one, but mm -hmm. obviously not. So yeah. <laughs> that could be next month or two, or who knows? I know that the Arthurian ones are going to be probably in the same uh, set, obviously, because they are. It's yes. part one, part two. But that could be months from now. I don't know. Well, we'll, well, we're going to keep an eye out, and we will find out. We will see them. We will see them. We're looking forward to them. If yep. you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We could use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. I'm going to be using my Qigong to roll some dice. <laughs> <laughs>